Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes. And make sure you use code WITCHY, W-I-C-T-H-Y, for 20% off of your purchase. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio again. I am your host, Lauren, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way. They are leading the way. Today, we are talking with Miguel Mendoza. He has a background in forestry, horticulture, journalism, geography, and history, social science, and the environment. He's worked internationally as a research researcher, writer, and campaigner on renewable energy before becoming an independent researcher. He has published books on a range of themes, including ETs, hybrids, disclosure, the social history of UFO topic, wisdom, and the art of creativity. He now makes music full-time as a Sokamiro, and has just released his debut album titled On Out Into It. And I'm so excited to talk all things, I mean, creativity, ET, hybrids. I know we're going to go deep into the ethers here, but I'm so excited to have you hold this space with you today. Welcome to the show, Miguel. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. And you, I mean, you do have a wide range of passions and I, I love mm-hmm. seeing that, you know, we not to just be one thing only our entire lives. And I know you, you are long-winded and you love to take us through the entire universe here, but how did you get to be, you know, this beautiful artist and musician, but also researcher on these amazing topics? This is the first time we've had anybody on here to discuss, you know, anything ET hybrids or disclosure. Mm-hmm. What was kind of your guiding light was what is your own hero's journey to get to where you are today? Um, I will give people a short version because I do hear from people sometimes that say, oh, I came across your books and I just watched 15 different interviews with you, which blows my mind because I often get asked very similar things. And so you can end up retelling the same stories. So I'll try and I'll try and skirt all of that if I can and give a very brief summary, as brief as I can do, which is not very brief. Um, But essentially, I had a wild experience when I was three years old. 
which set the tone for my entire life. And it was a meeting with essentially an invisible presence showed up and just the awareness that it was there, but I couldn't perceive it with the physical senses told me that reality is multidimensional. Even though I'd obviously no language for that as a three-year-old and nobody in my life explained any of this to me, but it was just pure understanding. So whether that was planted from the being or it was, who knows how that works? I don't know. Um, one can only speculate. But in fact, the speculation is really a sideshow to the experience and what that does. Because imagine being that guy in 76. So as a three-year-old, 1976, and then coming of age through the 80s and learning that humanity has this very, very Western industrialized society has a very narrow view of existence and this sort of scientized view of things where as the authority figures in our culture, they say, no, 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 there's no evidence. There's no such thing. Even though every human who's ever lived has experienced the other side, has experienced aspects of the self that don't fit into these kind of very narrow uh, boxes. Um, and then, you know, when I was five or six years old, I was given a book on UFOs and there's nothing in there about this doesn't exist. It's about here's what was seen and what was experienced by pilots, civilian and military by police officers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So people who know what they're looking at, trained observers, are seeing all kinds of different things in the skies as well as beings. And I had this feeling that these beings, the only way I can put it simply is to say my feeling about them was they know. And I didn't know what they know. I couldn't it's another thing that I discussed with people, so I couldn't articulate what they know, but I just had the sense that they have a bigger picture than humanity does. And my whole life, I think, has been a journey towards the bigger picture. And then there's been other experiences with what we could call ghosts, what we could call angels, um, what we could call UFOs or these days UAPs, um, you know, and, and lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences, near-death experience. And every once in a while, one of these life-changing experiences shows up. And, um, you know, you've got to find a place to put that. But up until 2010, I was just focused on a fairly circuitous career trajectory, which took me through uh, a variety of things as you laid out in your introduction. But I became very ill in 2009. Uh, I developed a, a lifelong degenerative illness, which meant I couldn't do the hurtling around the planet, trying to save the thing stuff anymore. And so I thought, all right, 
at this point, I've got nothing to lose. I can do anything I want with the time I have left. And it should be no surprise at all that it ended up becoming a journey towards the UFO topic back to it. Because in 09, the year the illness began, uh, myself and a close friend had an almighty UFO sighting that was just like this light that the short version is looks like a satellite at first, but then it basically expands and brightens massively and then shoots off like a bullet across the sky way up there. And, um, as most people do who have these kind of experiences, I just wanted to know what was that really. And, uh, then, you know, years and years of, of research of God knows how many books and documentaries and interviews and lectures and on and on and on. And then finally, I got talking with uh, Barbara Lamb because I started writing a novel about the whole ET topic to try and put it all together. What are all these different crazy things collectively what's the story what's the narrative what is this thing that's coming to us in a very personal way because most sightings are not mass sightings most sightings are a few people or one person and so there is a very personal thing that it's reaching out and touching individuals for the most part it seems and Given all the experiences I had prior to this, you know, I found myself pursuing the experience uh, angle. Like, you know, lights in the sky is 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 solid and interesting and stimulating on certain levels, but they're more the aspects of human nature relating to politics. And and the sort of mechanistic and masculine mindset, whereas the stuff that I gravitated towards was more the sort of feminine end of the spectrum, which is all about the sort of well-being, consciousness, spirituality, cosmology stuff. Maybe cosmology's back down this way a bit, meets it halfway, understanding what's here. Um, as in, in the universe, what kind of conscious entities are here and interacting? And, and recently I've been working on an album. I, by the end of last year, I felt like I didn't want to slog through doing these enormous book projects anymore. I still do uh, articles, short pieces of writing, but I turned my attention to uh, music full time. I did two albums, in fact, since we last spoke. I released my second album, which is called Into Galactic, Into Galactic, which is about my journey leaving this planet and getting back out there among the stars. And, and that was so much fun and so therapeutic. And then I started doing one about all the things, a concept album about all the things I would go and explore if I had a time machine. And so uh, the first one I did was the pyramids. I thought if I wanted to get my feet wet 
with time travel, I'll go there. Let's nail it. Let's sort it out. Maybe take the likes of Graham Hancock and so forth. You know, a bunch of um, researchers with me in this time bubble thing and go back and answer the question, damn it, who made this thing? How and why? Let's just get that sorted. And then the second track I thought was, well, I'd have to go and check out Roswell. Absolutely. I would have to go and be there. And I, in this, in this machine, in this time bubble thing, I could float. So I could see how many craft were involved. What was it that caused them to crash? Where did they crash? What was the whole story? And then obviously there's a whole bunch of um, researchers that one could take. And, um, I suppose that with the time machine, I could go pick up the late Stanton Friedman when he was still alive. And it's a bit of a fudge, but I can make it work and take Stanton as well, because he's one of the people that reopened the Roswell topic for the public consciousness. And uh, then I had so much fun doing it, getting back into the topic that I decided to switch gears switch direction and do an album that's just focused on different UFO cases, famous ones. Um, and so to that end, I've been interviewing new people that I never met before who are witnesses to famous cases. And they these have been mind blowers. Even for all the stuff that I've done before, all the conversations, all the stories I've heard, some of these have been next level. There was a guy who told me about, uh, you know, I won't mention his name, but I was speaking recently with a guy who had a close encounter with the Phoenix Lights craft. And this sucker's a mile wide. There's many, many people who have closely estimated that it was a mile wide, flying at almost like walking pace over uh, Phoenix and like way down this, the interstate, in fact. And this guy was way up high and sees this thing, this bizarre light, and thinks, well, what on earth is this thing? And then gets the scale of this thing because it's eight in the evening and with the amount of glare from the lights of Phoenix, which is very, you know, dense, he can see this thing perfectly well and he can see the color of the, the metal. And from the bottom of this thing, it's almost like the way I think of it, based on his description, it was almost like lava dripping out of the bottom and then sort of being sucked back up. There's this bizarre sort of plasma stuff coming out and going back up into, based on his description. Um, and so this thing, he watches this thing out of sight and then breaks down crying. I mean, in absolute gratitude for having had the experience. And I think that a lot of people, there's certainly a lot of fear factor around abductions and that sort of stuff. But many, many people, if not the majority, um, in fact, there was a, 
a large piece of research done by an organization known as Free at the time. I think they've changed the name since. The Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. And they did a, a, a big study of thousands of experiences. I think about 5,000 experiences. Like a three, four, five stage um, study. And just under 70% of the respondents who said that had ET contact said it was positive, either positive or very positive. And this is not something that we hear a lot of. In general, we are told that, um, or at least we're, in terms of our acculturation, 95% plus of movies involving ETs are they're negative in some way. You can go from the alien movies to Independence Day and it's horror and terror and threat. And basically we're making them us. Essentially, we're taking all the worst of our nature, the worst serial killers, the most rapacious uh, tyrants, and we're projecting that onto those beings. But the ones that actually show up, in general, it seems, not exclusively, of course, people have terrifying experiences. Some Sometimes they get over the terror. They transcend it. They discover. They, they adjust their relationship to the experiences. And by doing that, they're able to adjust their relationship to the beings they're encountering. And I think all of us can learn a bit about that in our personal relationships with regular humans. You know what I mean? If like we like don't drive angry because everyone has a bad time sort of thing. And if in life as a human being, we drive angry, no one wins. And so I feel like no matter where you go in this whole topic of the beings and their nature and our nature and all the rest of it, I just think we keep looping back to the human experience over and over and over again because their stories, their experiences, their stories, and all stories, it seems to me, are reflections. They are a means of processing experience, of explaining and reproducing experience so that other people can get a window into what the hell we're talking about. We can emote a great deal, but we kind of have to describe things and we have to describe the characters. And so I think in a way there is this enormous gap in the cinematic portrayal of contact. I mean, we've only got a small handful that are in any way positive, and I haven't heard of any yet ever that talk about the real experiences. I mean, you get things like Fire in the Sky about the Travis Walton thing and Communion um, starring Christopher Walken um, about Whitley Strieber's experiences, but they would be very, very few and far between. And Hollywood, it seems, and any production company, it seems they like to go all in on the fear, which is kind of BS because it is misrepresenting the bulk of the experiences. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, 
yeah, I want to dive into the experiences themselves. Like you said, the UFO sightings are beautiful and awe-inspiring, and it's, but it's a different, as you said, more masculine experience. But the wisdom, the internal, I mean, it's bringing us back to humanity. It's bringing us back to seeing in ourselves what's already there, but also the higher potential of what humanity has internally but to, to offer into this world to offer into this galaxy and this universe like i believe that we're on the precipice of the next evolution of humanity right like can we can we step into that and also be welcomed into this bigger community at large other than humanity and media portrayal of that right now i don't know the mass consciousness, but I do think when we can go into these self experiences or read stories like you write about and create music about, um, we can gain our own wisdom from those experiences, even if we're not experiencing that firsthand. So if you could, I mean, I know experiences are so widely diverse, but talk more about that kind of in-person growth wisdom this this more feminine um kind of experience firsthand experience so i'm mentally flipping through my notes um (laughs) i have heard a lot of stories and a lot of the time especially long-term experiences like i did the book being with the beings which is about long-term experiences And those guys, generally, it starts young. And certainly there can be fear and misunderstanding. And a lot of the people I've talked to are in the States where religion is kind of pounded into the kids. And so, you know, there's this thing of, well, if it's not, God is the devil kind of thing. And, and. And some of these people, their families have said, well, you know, you're freaking possessed. You're being visited by demons. We need to get you to a priest. It's bad. You know, religion is um, problematic, to say the least, on this planet. It's a thing that, boy, I mean, that is just, that's a rabbit hole. I mean, that is a... But we all know, we all know that 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 it's kind of sets us up for failure um, over and over again. It does a great deal of harm because I, I mean, in you know, in my time bubble list of places, list of time machine stops would be Jesus. Absolutely, I would go and hang out with Jesus and find out who he really was. What was he really about? What did he say? Like the the gimmick with this time bubble is that if you're inside it, you're invisible, undetectable, invulnerable. But if you step out of it, you will look, dress, and speak like a local. So I could just sidle up to Jesus at any point in his life and just pick his brain and see what he did and hear what he said. And just hang out because even from a young age, I felt like there was something very wrong with the our relationship with religion, our relationship with spirituality. It was 
it's a bit wonky to say the least. I mean, I'm trying to be as polite as I can for people who are bound up in it, but I feel like the spiritual figures like Jesus would have a lot to say about, for one thing, acceptance. Like I think someone like Jesus could handle his kind of ET encounters if he wasn't one himself. And there's, you know, that's certainly a line that you hear a great deal. I mean, you know, the, the bowl itself said he was literally a hybrid, that he was part human, part deity. And I mean, what are angels really? What are they? Are they all kinds of different beings that are able to take the same form and say, look, they can handle me appearing as an angel. Let's just go with that. Um, but I, f I feel in general, we as humans have a great many spiritual opportunities through encounters with anything that's not human. It doesn't have to be E.T., it can be a squirrel. It could be a butterfly. It could be a blade of grass. It could be a ray of sun, a cloud. It could be absolutely anything if we are able to genuinely get out of our own way, out of our head, and connect with it in a place of absolute equality and gratitude. Like the strangest things can bring us pleasure. I remember one day seeing a piece of chewing gum on the sidewalk. And the fact that my consciousness, that I was aware that my consciousness could connect with a piece of chewing gum sent me into two weeks of ecstasy. Like I couldn't work. I couldn't function because I was in a constant state of ecstasy. Everything I looked at gave me, I was just blissed out all the time. I eventually had to switch it off because I was like, I can't work. I can't do my job. I can't talk to anybody. This is nuts. So yeah, spirituality does not have to be a guru. It could simply be anything that you are able to truly appreciate in terms of its existence and your awareness of its existence, the fact that you as equals can share a point in space and time. To me, that's something enormous and, and absolutely undervalued because particularly in our culture, you know, there's there's plenty of, of gurus and there's plenty of salesmen, saleswomen. There's people selling stuff. And I honestly feel like, the, I think this is why I like Buddhism. I, I appreciate the fact that it would say things like nothing exists from its own side. It exists solely in its form. It is solely a, an expression of yourself. What you see is telling you more about you than about it. 
and the same with other people and you know things like the four agreements we'll talk about this take nothing personally and so forth you know people are projecting themselves there's that great saying that great line by the writer Anais Nin who said people we don't see the world as it is we see it as we are and I've never found any way to disagree with that. And I don't know if I even got close to answering your question, but at least it was a stimulating yeah. jumping off point. <laughs> it needed to go where it needed to go. And that's why I love having these conversations is we're in the flow. What, what comes up needs to come up and be talked about. And yeah, I have been sitting with that at a deeper level in my life lately is my my coach, she asked me all the time, if you truly believe that you create your own reality, where does that belief fall short? Where does that belief fall short? Because it's not the other person. It's not the situation. It's not, it's all you. Everything is you. So where in you, where does the perspective need to change? Where are you hitting your head against the wall? because you are a powerful creator being. And sometimes we get stuck down this 3D, I don't know, rabbit hole that we, 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 we forget that we are that which we come from. We, like the Rumi quote, we're not just one drop in the ocean. We're the entire ocean in one drop. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for select few people or gurus or whatever that that's, every single one of us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that could be the whole podcast right there. It's just like you said, appreciating everything as you. And I think that's why I I believe that's why we're here is to, to experience a different facet of reality of truth as the oneness, but as the seemingly one person and to experience this all and the, the sense of awe and wonder, um, but also the contrast because creation comes with the darkness and the light as well. And to be okay with all of that and it's all beautiful and it's all part of, part of this process and go with ever you want to go with this, but I wanted to maybe transition this or whatever you feel called to talk about next into the part of being creative or, or creation itself, like tying this kind of spiritual oneness into this conversation with creativity. Well, just before, um, so dear viewer, um, prior to the start of the recorded portion of this, um, Lauren and I were talking about her work Um with groups and individuals in um, sort of helping, caring kind of work, self-development, self-empowerment kind of stuff. And um, and at a certain point, and I shared with her a recent article that I'd written on um, experience art, and, um, and this lady, um, Faye Vale, is one of those folks. Uh, and this is the cover of a book that uh, we put together of her artwork. Check it out. E.T. as Artist by Faye Vale. Um, and 
And of course, now my head is so full of the stories of that book. I forget what the question was. Creativity. Oh, so sorry. It's okay. We're talking. I was creativity. Just, yeah, right. creativity and spirituality and awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, my point was that I feel that art is absolutely central to health, to human health. As I mentioned before, I think that the purpose of art is to deal with life, to reflect it, to share experiences, to say, this is how I see things. How do you see things? You know, I think the problem comes when people say that the way I see things is the way they really are. I don't know a single human who hasn't made that mistake at some point in their lives. Boy, oh boy, if if I could change one thing, if someone said, look, you can be God for five seconds, okay, that would be it. That would be it. If I had to pick out one thing, if I was to not mess with things on the large scale and basically say, okay, detoxify the planet. I feel like I'd say detoxify the planet and uh, purge people of their delusions. And uh, (laughs) if I could rattle it off in five seconds, I think we might be good. We might be in a better place. But I think that for anybody who wants to be healthy, I think spend time with nature in any way that you possibly can, even if it's looking out of your window and going, oh, yeah, that's out there. I'm enveloped in that. And that's all me. And I am all that. It's all just that reaching out and touching the rest of the biosphere. Even if you don't pierce it conceptually and say, I am everything. I'm the universe. Even if that's too big, even if you're in a place in your life where you just want to say, I am that cloud. That cloud is me. We are connected. We're sharing this space, whatever that is. There's that. And then I think there's the thing where you might just doodle a cloud. I just think there's something. I mean, it's all energy. Nothing is not energetic in nature. And when we experience that cloud, it might be that we want to experience, we might might want to capture in some way some essence of that or remember it. And we'll just doodle a cloud. Or it could be that we'll go and paint a sky full of clouds. Or it may be that we we meditate with the concept of what a cloud is. And it may be that we like clouds, we recognize that. The weather is not the sky. The sky is the sky. Weather passes through it in the way that this was taught to us in, in Buddhism, that the cloud, that the sky can be beautiful and it can be terrible. It can be gray. It can be blue. It can be something we like, something we hate. It can take us down. It can bring us up. But it's all fleeting. It's all just moments in time. And if, as long as we don't attach to it and say, I, I'm going to attach my well-being to the status of the sky in this moment, I mean, sure, that's, that's easier said than done. Um, crisis. 
if we are, if we are in, if we're in serious crisis, it's very, very difficult to take, I think, any of these little things and be cured and fixed. But from personal experience, I can say that it is whatever gets you through the night. As John Lennon said, even if you just take a moment, if you find anything in your life that will get you through those valleys, if you can just recognize today's a bad day, tomorrow's going to be a better day, that's enough. And, and I think that everything that I have been led into, dragged through against my will, I think it all comes down to that. You just have to recognize that where there's life, there's hope. And it may be tough today. It will be better tomorrow. Almost certainly get a good night's sleep if you can, and it may just be better. And I think that all the things that we've talked about today, all of these tell us over and over and over again that we are more, we are bigger. We are never ever alone. It is not possible to be alone. Nothing exists in isolation. And in effect, I think my biggest realization from all the research I did, all my experiences told me that the, there is only one thing that exists and that is everything. And that absolute unity of thingness relating to life means that we can't be alone. And I read this interesting article, um, first days of the pandemic, I think this was, where someone had dug up one of the oldest self-help books that they could find in Britain. And it said something that absolutely every self-help book ever has said since then, and probably before, because there is a, a deeper history back to the Greeks, at least, um, which says simply, be not solitary, be not idle. And connection with other people, even with animals. I mean, animals, any animal lover knows animals are so much easier than people, almost exclusively, and can be much better company. I mean, I have a cat, and and she is an extraordinary being. I mean, when you're really around them and you really experience them with a, a level of, of equality, one of the people that I interviewed for my book, Wisdom, was uh, the futurist. She's known as a futurist a lot, but she's an evolutionary biologist and many, many other things. Elizabeth Sartoris, look her up. She's, she's an extraordinary being herself, um, teaching uh, these days in Hawaii. And um, she was talking about one of the greatest books she ever read, which was, I think it was written by a Hollywood producer or something who had this uh, dog and developed this really, really deep connection with this dog, which was based on absolute equality. And he said, when we got to a place of absolute equality, we could communicate telepathically. 
And this guy, by all accounts, is not a Fruit Loop. I mean, he was a pretty grounded person, but this was his experience. And I imagine that there is a percentage of viewers, listeners to this that would say, do you know what? I think that I have experienced a piece of that. Maybe not all of it, because I doubt that there's a lot of cases like that or a lot that would be reported and shared. But I think most of us have felt at some point that we've connected with another being, whether it's an animal or otherwise, or even if it is an angel or a fairy or what an elemental, whatever people think that they're encountering, that they think, well, it's not human. I don't know what it is. But the willingness to open ourselves to it on the level of equality, I just think is the route to not just a healthy relationship in a two-way sense and a safe relationship, but I just think that all equitable relationships create inevitably a flow of value back and forth that we are able to open up and share like the the people that have passed through my life, the people that I could pick up the phone and talk to, every conversation is such a gift and there is such an awareness of that two-way street with people that they can receive as much as they can give. Because I think one of the most generous things that we can do as people is to receive, is to say thank you. I will welcome this in, in that there are plenty of people that find that difficult, oh, that yeah. they have a, their wiring says, I want to give and give and give and give, but I'm not comfortable receiving. I can't take, but then that is, I think, unhealthy. And I think if, if anything at all, those are the kinds of general principles that I think are genuinely useful. Like this morning, I had to go to the recycling center and take a bunch of things to be recycled, cardboard and bits of wood and things that you can't do domestically. And (laughs) I mean, I would look like a nut and I would say it quietly, but you know, I mean, these are enormous concrete bays that you just got to, you know, heave this stuff into. But all these bits of wood, it was honestly like as they were flying through the air, time was slowing down. And I had all these memories going through my head of experiences with those pieces of wood. And just before they clanked onto the rest of the wood, the thought went through my head, thank you for your service. You know, it's this general appreciation for things that come to us in whatever form and leave us. Because even if someone cuts you up on the motorway and and every swear word that you know goes through your head just as quickly, but if you can, there can be this moment where you can at least find something in it. Like my my good friend, Mike Wallace, who's also in the wisdom book, extraordinary guy. He would always say to me, uh, it's an opportunity. No matter what it is, there is always a level of opportunity, good or bad. And, uh, 
And I think given, you know, the read, the uh, listeners have heard a lot. I know you've got a scoot. So I think that's probably a good place to leave it. I think that's a beautiful place to leave it. A beautiful mic drop. And what I have been telling my affirmation as of late is how much love can I experience? Mm-hmm. How much love can I receive? The experience part for that word choice for me has really helped because you're right. It's um, everything's an opportunity. Everything is happening for you. Even maybe, you know, getting cut off, cut off on the road might not seem like it, but every single thing is happening for you. And when we start to look at our lives and our reality like that, it you start to kind of understand how it works and you start to love life and able to love yourself and let more love in. So yeah, I could talk about this all day long too, but I think that's a beautiful way to kind of, to, to put a nice bow on top. Um, the last question we ask is mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your heart and your experience. I know this, this conversation was so beautiful and I know that it's probably opened a lot of people's eyes and, and hearts to different ways of perceiving life and themselves, but how may we, the listeners as a big act of gratitude be of service for you in return today to say, to say thank you. Uh, go make something. I would say go and make something, go draw, create, make a piece of art, whatever it is. And um, I will send links. I don't know where you put links, but yep, we'll put them in um, the show notes. Yep. If you could add a link to my YouTube channel, people can go there and they can check out a bunch of really fun collabs I've done with different artists where essentially I take a bunch of their images of whatever they do, painting, drawing, sculpture, uh, could be anything. I mean, I'm working on one at the moment um, with a Belgian photographer who every summer goes up in a microlight and takes amazing aerial photographs of crop circles. Yeah, it's a mind blower. Absolutely. So I'm working on that right now. Um, but that's the thing I love to do. I just did one with this incredible uh, artist based in New Zealand these days called Stephen Whiffen, who makes these wooden metal orbs like you've never seen you've never seen anything like this they are and you've got to read the story of each one anyway i could go on but um people can check those out um i hope they enjoy them hope they like the music um they can check out my albums uh they're on every streaming platform there everywhere at this point and um just go and have fun yeah, that's the secret to life. That's for sure. Well, thank you so much, Miguel, for coming on and such a wonderful, present, delicious conversation with you today. I'm so happy to have connected with you. It's my pleasure. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way. Mm-hmm.